Welcome to Trade Happy. Welcome back to another Traders Podcast episode. Sit back and grab a notepad and pen. This one is a really, really good episode with a commodities trader who spoke about making over £900,000 in a single day. If you're looking to be a big trader and grow other sources of income outside of trading, this is going to be a really good episode for you. Um, if you have any questions, just drop them in the comments below. I'm sure he'll be happy to answer those for you. Um, but yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, take some notes. Please welcome Neil. So for anyone that doesn't know who you are, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? So yeah, my name's Neil Doig. I am the author of Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. The creator of a card game called Football Formation Asset Allocation. And my company, I'm the founder of Money Tips, which stands for Tax Investment Property Pension Savings. So we're different. We offer educate, we educate, inspire, and money give money coaching to help people make better decisions with their money. Amazing. So how did you actually get into um, the finance world? So I started off in the shipping industry, and so moving tankers around the world to so kind of giant oil tankers in okay. back in the day, back in um, during the kind of the boom times around when China was just opening up in the kind of 2000s. So I started off in the kind of contract side of things. I went to night school and got my chartered qualification, chartered shipbroking qualification. I then moved to gas trading, which is probably going to be interesting for the listeners and mm. buying in kind of commodities. So you think of when you turn the heating on at home, that's gas, that commodity is gas. So buying and selling millions of pounds worth of that each day. And my biggest daily gain was £940,000 in a day. And I'm happy to talk about that later in the podcast. Yeah. And, but then got made redundant from that role and kind of gave me an opportunity to say, actually, what, what do I want to do with myself? So looked at my strengths, looked at where there's a demand and what I enjoy talking about on podcasts like this one and decided to become a financial advisor kind of helping high net worth individuals kind of how to manage their money so i did all my qualifications did kind of a number of different written qualifications practical qualifications had my own portfolio of clients where so, so one of my port clients was had 15 million pounds worth of bitcoin winnings he'd made wow. fortune from bitcoin and other kind of high net worth individuals and then i kind of had a um and had a kind of a, a a number of clients uh, that I'd had kind of booked up, but then I kind of felt like, actually, I, do I really want to be helping kind of rich people save more tax? And I kind of had a conscience um, moment with that. So decided to actually, I created my own company called Money Tips, which essentially we're different. So we then offer financial advice, which is kind of specific advice. We offer financial guidance. So essentially we train, teach and educate people how to make their own decisions around money. Cool. So in terms of the trading, because that's obviously yeah. what we'll be talking about um, mostly during this podcast, yeah. um, what would you say were some of those lessons when you were commodity trading that you learned over the years? So the big lesson is that it's actually really boring. <laughs> like <laughs> kind of Hollywood image of this kind of trader, you see like, I mean, I had kind of eight screens around me kind of 12 hour, working 12 hour days think and it i mean people think it's quite glamorous when i say i was a commodity trader and maybe i i kind of played to that on um you know like on the way home like thinking i was kind of 
with saying how much I bought and sold that day and kind of thinking that I was kind of really, um, I don't know, clever. Um, yeah, it's actually not like that at all. It's actually really boring. We had a checklist that we had to do each day. And yeah, it's actually the trading floor, like trade good world-class traders are actually very disciplined and it's more like a job than, you know, going to a job nine to five than the actual Hollywood image of, you know, on a phone buying, buy now, sell yeah. now. It's, it's not actually like that. Yeah. Um, so obviously I don't know whether you'll be able to talk about this too much, but um, what would you say your average day was as a commodity trader then? So it's all about essentially what we, it's all about balancing. So we, so think of it like each country has its own supply and demand of energy. So UK is a lot to do with gas. So you would have North Sea's got lots of gas and oil. So that would be a supply. So you'd have X amount of gas coming into the country. And then when people turn on their heating at home, you, that's the demand. So the kind of the, the, when it's really cold, so for instance, a February morning would be a massive high demand of gas. So you have to kind of plan your day around, basically you wanna balance your supply and demand. And the, what they, the, the number one thing you're looking for is what they call arbitrage. So arbitrage is essentially difference in pricing. So way, the way we made money was essentially, if it was really cold, looking at the way we made money mostly was during looking at weather patterns. So we had a, um, like a weather forecaster every day who'd give us their kind of forecast over the next you know, few days, next week. And if it's, say, for instance, really cold in the UK, the demand would go high. And if it was, say, warm in Germany, for instance, the demand would be lower. So mm. the price would be lower. So you could buy gas in Germany and then pipe that over to the UK and then sell it at a higher price, taking into account the cost of pipelines, et cetera and any risk so essentially that's as a as a trader as a commodity trader that's essentially what you were doing each day you were looking for difference in pricing and how to manage that and there were different certain things happened during the day so that all sounds quite simple and easy but there was things like the supply would all of a sudden there would be yeah it, there would be the gas would uh, there would be an explosion in the north sea or something or something would happen there was mm. a pipeline would fry froze over for instance and that supply would get cut off so there was a time in there was a pipeline in italy and there was a landslide and basically there was a boulder that basically knocked out this gas pipeline so we were expecting to get that gas that day and then but then we looked at our screens like what's going on there's no none of this gas coming through so you're like ah oh, you have to basically source gas from somewhere else so we that day we went to france and we managed to buy gas basically it's like a race but before anyone else does so yeah. people know about that pipeline then people are all going to start buying at different different elsewhere and then um yeah people are trying to beat everyone else and there's just to clarify there's there's the difference between insider trading which is illegal when it's not inside trading it's there's um there's information that gets put out to the market and you're essentially trying to analyze this market and you're going to make a call on if you're going to make money or not. So sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't, but it's all about managing your risk and understanding. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to work out like the gauge, the audience as well. So um, yeah. Does that make sense? 
essentially it's all down to supply and demand. So coming back to Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations, he was a guy that kind of wrote about capitalism in the first, in the 1750s. So it's if you ever study economics, if you go to university or whatever, so the first lesson you ever have on economics is demand versus supply. And it's, I mean, it sounds really basic and it's really obvious, but every day you have to look at what's the demand for this product. It doesn't, I mean, we traded gas. It doesn't matter. It could be any product, any, yeah. anything. It could be, you know, you could go to a, mar- you know, a market stall on a Sunday and, you know, selling apples and there's a demand supply of apples. You know, if there's only one apple left and there's, you know, 50 people wanting that apple desperately, then that, that shop can put that can put the price of that apple up if that makes sense so it, yeah fundamentally it's all down to demand and supply like if you think of any any market it doesn't matter if it's the stock market it doesn't matter if it's forex it doesn't matter if it's commodities fundamentally it's all down to supply and demand and we can talk about technicals and get more behavioral economics uh, behavioral trading etc right but yeah down and it's all down to supply and demand right so let's say there's a trader right now obviously yeah. it's a saturday so yeah. probably not going to be looking at the charts but um let's say there's a trader looking at their charts right now how would yeah. they be able to apply this to their charts or their trading so it totally depends so coming back to so there's a day where i made nine hundred forty thousand pounds in a day which sounds insane and that's that's not for me personally that's for my company and it was a huge FTSE 100 company. So when I say this number, actually, it sounds more impressive than it actually was. I was, yeah. I was in Saturday morning, funny enough. So I was like sad enough to be like, actually, I want to get a bigger bonus. So I'm going to go on a, in on a Saturday because there was a potential for it. We looked at the weather and it was, it was like, it was a really, really cold February morning. And there was a big chance that there's going to be a massive spike of demand when people turn their heating up when they wake up that morning. So it's yeah there was a and there was a pipeline that froze over in norway so that supply got cut and people were waking up in the morning turning on that gas and essentially you're looking for that supply and demand balance imbalance essentially so we had clever sophisticated systems that essentially they um like basically strip from you know computer screens and they give us a real is it is it are we imbalanced? What's the balance? Kind of, are we long or are we short? But essentially, that's what we get. And that day, we were like something crazy short by 30 meters, which is in gas speak. That's how many, that's what they talk. But essentially, we were, there was less gas than the demand. So there's going to be a massive spike of price. So if you can get in there and apply that, then that's where you're going to make money. Mm. But this, coming back, I think, coming back to what lessons to learn from the people at home, like, there's a massive difference between people who are trading for a job. So I, this was a job. This is not me on a morning trading for me personally. There's a diff, massive difference between people understanding you're doing this for a job for, um, you know, a, a FTSE 100 company, which have the system, they have the training, they have people, you know, the processes in place and the regulations plus the capital, the money to do this mm. rather than, me at home doing that today like i i wouldn't have access to that information because you know you have to pay for a subscription model to know i wouldn't know what's the um, what's going on in norway if a pipeline's 
frozen over today. Like I don't have access to that information. So I guess it's it's quite what I'm talking about here is a job that I was I was a trader for a job. And do you say the person at home who I suspect you know you want to make some money from your own personal account? Mm-hmm. It, there's a big difference between doing it for a job and doing it personally. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So do you think that a trader at home, whether they're trading yeah. for a prop firm or themselves, um, can still win in terms of overall, even though they don't have that access to um, the feed or news or whatever? Yeah. So I'd always say look at the evidence. So I'm I'm a big believer in evidence-based research. So you look at what, what is working, what's not working. And statistically, a trader at home is you're massively not likely to, if you're trading every day, there was a study done in Brazil, actually, and it showed like, actually, what is, if you're trading every day, you're like 70% of the trade day traders lose money. Like, so mm. saying it's, it's impossible. I'm just saying, statistically, you're, you're going to lose if you, if you're just trading at home, buying or selling. There's a number of reasons for that, because if you're trading every day, you're day trading every day, you're paying for broker fees for once so whatever platform you're using that platform is they're in business they're making money somehow either if that's a fee or if it's a difference between what they call the bid offer spread so the difference between the buy and the sell price you're going to be paying taxes so i mean you can there's a number of ways that you, you could put into an iso etc or there's a number of ways you don't need to pay but essentially you're going to be paying taxes um a lot of the time or and you're going to be and also you're going to be paying you're going to get it wrong a number of times as well. So, I mean, I'm a big believer in, I mean, I do trade myself. I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's just a different strategy. I'm much more, if you look at the evidence, investing for the long term is much more likely to you say about winning. How are you going to win? Yeah. So if you're investing for the long term, you're much more likely to win. But then, but then if you come on a podcast and say, you're actually just going to invest, that's a bit boring. Like people love, I don't, <laughs> there's a, an emotional part of us that we love to, think that we're beating the system or that we yeah that we're winning we're winning that we can we're cleverer than everyone else and we we can outsmart the market which i'm not saying it's right or wrong i I mean i love doing it myself i've i've been doing it for 20 years so there are ways to do it it's just yeah it's i I guess how do you win it's having an edge having an edge over the market yeah or or actually or actually first of all actually it's actually understanding you say can you win it's understanding what does a win mean to you so some people think it's you know you get a percentage more than the market that's fine that's that's one person thinking they're going to win but actually it's your podcast is called trade um trade happy and i think that's quite interesting because it's actually is, is are you going to live a happier life like not to mm. be kind of too deep and meaningful but like yeah it's actually what it's actually what what do you want out of life that's number understanding that is more important than you know what stock to buy or what should you be buying a dollar or should you be buying the yen or it's actually what do you want out of life is more important question to answer than what should you be buying it's does that make sense yeah i totally agree um i totally agree um i'm kind of glad that you've gone down that route um what would you say is one way that people can trade happier Obviously, trading can be very, very stressful. I guess there's a. I, I should clarify what difference between trading and investing. So there's a big difference as well. So yes. the first difference we talked about was trading for 
a corporation. So I work for a FTSE 100 company and trading for an individual. So there's different strategies there. And I'm happy to talk about those as well. And then you talked about difference between trading happy. So there's a difference between trading and investing. So trading, so trading is buying and selling on the hope that someone else will pay more for that line on a screen. That's it's not right or wrong. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying you're trying to buy or sell something on the hope that someone on the other side will pay more for that. You're going to make money for that. Whereas mm. investing, which I teach, I teach more about investing than trading, is buy so buying actual living, breathing companies or bre- living, breathing assets that are going to you're going to get your that money put in plus a little bit more. So this might be you might be buying property where you're getting a rent from that from your tenants. You might be buying businesses, which is walk down a high street, like you go into a shop and you buy a loaf of bread. Part of those profits are going to be paid back to the shareholder as as a, as a dividend. So as part of those profits, you're going to get share. You're going to get so you can hold that for the long term, and you're every every year you're going to get profits back for just by being an owner of that business or lending money to governments or um, corporations by lending money you you can get paid what they call a coupon for if you buy a bond for instance you buy a coupon or think of it putting money into a bank in the old days you used to get interest rates on that but might used to get five percent if you put 100 pounds into a bank you get five pounds back every year so that's so coming back to answer your question so the difference in trading and investing so let's split those up and you ask how to trade happy mm. it's down to the individual what do you want out of life what what's your purpose and what are you what what are you actually looking to achieve i think is a more important question so some so yeah i i think having a, so the way i work with people i have a life plan actually what their aims what objectives are before you even come down to trading does that make sense yeah yeah um <laughs> sorry i've gone on off a tangent but yeah no, it's all good um yeah i mean I, I completely agree that's something that we do as well um we we help people with goals outside of trading as well because we feel that it's it's just as important um if not more um so what's something traders can do to reduce stress of trading because obviously you've I'm sure you've dealt with very, very high stress situations. What's some advice that you would give to some traders to deal with stress? Yes, yeah, a good question. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of automation. I don't, for me as an investor, I don't, I don't necessarily stress about my money anymore. So I talk about, it's called, what I call it is like money mindset, the way you think and feel about money, how you relate to money. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So I talk about having an emergency fund. So having a cash buffer before you even start trading. If you're if you're trading and you're you're trying to make money to pay for your you know your family's food at the end of the month, then that's going to be super stressful. Like if you're becoming if you're a trader, like a nine to five, you're worth that's your sole income. Then that's super stressful if you're like right i've got to make money i've got to make money from the market to pay for my groceries like that's that's going to be super stressful right that's mm. so i would always start off as a side hustle don't start don't start as a don't trade thinking you're going to be hollywood image and 
buying and selling and you've got to pay for your rent or you've got to pay for your bills just from your trading income that's yeah that's crazy risk that you're taking there so yeah. start start a side hustle understand start understanding how to invest start understanding how the markets work and yeah don't try and take from the market i think this is my kind of big takeaway like don't take from the market you're giving to the market you're using your capital you're putting money into the market to give right so this is really i've become a bit <laughs> um like not even woo woo in my old i've been trading for i've been trading for like 20 years and it's about you've got money and you're investing it how do you make how do you make that money work the best way possible rather yeah. than trying to take from the market i see so many traders or actually thinking they're trying to scalp and trying to take from the market rather than actually thinking where can my money be where can where can this money make the greatest contribution and this is more down to the investment route so i'm much more although i traded i see myself as an investor i i don't see myself as a trader anymore i, I see myself i've hung up my boots of trading because i think that i look at my strengths and where i personally can have an edge over the market and i don't think that's with trading anymore i'm i'm a, i'm with me personally i i'm quite a slow thinker i like to ponder and i like to think about things and in a if i'm trading i get i get annihilated in trading i my i i'm i try and think through things too much even anything like any decision i make so when i was trading on the um, as i when i was trading gas i would be very i'd be a very slow thinker i'd be trying to analyze too much so i'm much more suited to investing long term so look at where where were you good at school like it sounds really silly but like what what subject were you good at school so for me i was good at geography so i was like a geography nerd like i love thinking about you know different countries around the world what were they doing what was the infrastructure on those companies so i'm the way i think about things i'm much better at that so if i was a trader now i'd be actually thinking like where where would be the arbitrage where's the the, the biggest upsell so i would see that i'd be looking at the african nations have huge upside like yeah. things like Vietnam would be got massive upside i think things like south korea so if you look at has been hi historically underpriced because of its relationship to north korea so there's a kind of a big kind of political risk there which said that in the market that's been underpriced so i'd be saying actually where do i see where's there an arbitrage where's there a difference in price and those three markets i would be as a geographer i'd be like thinking actually those three markets today if you look at that in 10 5 10 20 years time there's going to be massive growth in the african nations i mean they have been held back for so long because of in the in infrastructure in africa is not as developed as other countries if you look at even like the rivers this is coming back to me being like a massive geography nerd <laughs> the rivers in africa are really difficult to transport goods around so if you think about compare that to kind of the mississippi in the usa it's really easy to transport goods these are like massive flat plains of these wide rivers and historically it was really easy to transport goods whereas if you think of like the the was it like the, the victoria falls like to transport goods around that is really difficult so mm. coming so we don't transport goods as much as we did 
by river we do it all by internet so today there's no constraints on countries in africa compared to countries in america or europe so there's a massive upside in countries in nigeria at the moment and that's going through a massive political kind of turmoil at the moment but like i looked yesterday to see can you there's i don't think there's any index fund that you can buy on nigeria or kind of african nations so that's quite you might have to pay higher fees unfortunately to buy these niche markets but yeah this is a this is guidance not advice don't i mean research yeah sorry i've i've gone on a massive tangent um good yeah Um, does that that makes sense what i can't remember what your your original question was but um i mean (laughs) you kind of touched on um something that i was going to ask anyway um at the start about kind of um adding a, another income to your trading um because yeah. obviously trading isn't it's not like a a paycheck um yeah so obviously when you invest in dividends you almost know when you're going to get paid um what secondary income would you say could be good for traders to add to the overall um portfolio i guess you could say so it depends on what you're looking for. So I'm, I mean, you're asking me questions. I'm, I've come on a show called Trade Happy. So I, I would say start off investing. Like it's so, the, and it depends on what your goal is as well. So the, for the goal that I help people with the most is essentially becoming financially independent. So if you want to financially independent and retire early, so you don't need to work anymore, start off investing. So put money, if you've got a job and you, you can put, 10% of that money into an ISA every month. And that's going to build up assets that are going to start paying you an income. But yeah, every month, just pay, like pay yourself for like real, real basic stuff. I'm sure you can, if you read like, the richest man or kind of rich man, um, rich, poor, rich, um, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. It tells you that stuff, but yeah, every month, like pay yourself first every month. As soon as you get paid, put money aside into an, into assets by, um a, you know an index fund, a broad index fund you know that trades the world world market and yes start putting that aside and once you have trade once you have enough capital so tr- capital is so important like, and like it or not we live in a capitalist economy we, we live in the world of capitalist capitalism and the more capital you have the more better decisions you're going to make so if you've got mm. So a hundred thousand pound set in a bank account, you're you're you you're going to make better decisions, or you're going to have more, be able to pick better trades or better investments for the long term if you've got this capital that you sit on. So it's called capacity for loss. So I don't know if you know that or if you teach that, but it's super important called your capacity for loss. So what is your capacity for loss? So imagine that per- one person's got a hundred thousand pounds. That person. And another, it sat in a bank account, and another person's got a hundred pounds sat in a bank account. So that person, so, and that person with a hundred thousand pounds, they can be like, right, I'm going to spend fifty thousand pounds in a in in a broad index fund that's that trades the world. I'm going to pay twenty thousand pounds as deposit for my house. So I've got a house, and then the other thirty say the other 30,000 pounds I'm going to put into bonds and that's going to be super safe. And 
in 10, 20 years' time, statistically, coming back to the evidence, mm. that guy is going to be pretty, you know, his, you know, the stock market might go down 20%, but his bonds are sitting pretty. His property is looking pretty healthy because he's getting paid rent every month or he doesn't have to pay, you know, so that person's got a higher capacity for loss. The other person who's got only got a thousand pounds, if he's, you know, he's sat trading, he's, his capacity to make that hundred thousand pounds, he's going to have to take a lot of risks. Like even if he buys Bitcoin, which is you know, historically has been quite risky, if Bitcoin goes down fifty percent, which it can do, as, as I'm not saying Bitcoin's right or wrong, but it's it's higher volatility. He's down at fifty percent, and you know, he, he, it's not that he's made silly decisions. He's just got less capacity for loss. So unfortunately how much capital you have is it, it makes it makes trading so much easier it makes investing so much easier and for someone sat at home a thousand pounds in their bank account that sucks that's like oh god that's that's really that, that's not fair and it's not fair so the only reason i made nine hundred forty thousand pounds in a day but that's not me doing anything relatively clever that's just me because i've got working for a, a FTSE 100 company that's got you know millions of pounds of assets and capital sat in a bank or with assets i can take those risks so i can have i can take higher risks because i've got higher capacity for loss so it comes down to your capacity for loss and it sucks as someone at home starting out their kind of trading journey or their investment journey with you know you start with a pound coin in your back pocket that kind of sucks right how am i going to be a millionaire by it really mm. sucks, but it's about time. Unfortunately, time it's yeah, time is amazing. Like if I made so many silly errors, I maybe should talk about my my kind of errors as well. I, I bought my first um I don't know if you're gonna ask me a question about my kind of how I started as well. So I started buying in a dot-com boom. I started um buying and selling on the internet stocks in a kind of dot-com boom. And yeah, I made lots of mistakes and maybe I can talk about mistakes for, it might be helpful yeah. for the person at home as well. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah, to answer, to summarize capacity for loss is super important. And that comes down to like how you kind of can trade it happier. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all just, uh, it's all just like percentages, isn't it? Because if you have, I don't know, 10 mil or you have a thousand yeah. and you make 1%. Yeah. Just looking at the actual pound figures, one person's not very happy and one person's very happy. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's it's the same percentage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with with what you just said. Um, but then one percent would be rubbish, would it? If if you're getting like inflations at two percent, what are you talking one percent a day? I guess you're talking about so that's going to compound over time. But like, yeah, if at the end of the year, yeah. I, in years because I'm an investor, but yeah. I mean, inflation is to take into account. So people at home sat in it. I guess another thing I see is people making mistakes is sat in cash, thinking they're being really safe, thinking that yeah, have to put all their money. It's not like a, it's it's not like a game of poker where you have to put all your money in at one pot. You have to put it all in. You can just drip feed it into the market. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. So. What would you say is lacking in trading education nowadays? A great question. So historically, 
we didn't have to learn about, we didn't have to understand about the market. So previous generations, you would work, you'd work all your life. At the end of that working life, you would get a guaranteed pension for life. You'd get a pension, what they call an annuity. So in the old days, you would work at, you know, you could go to a standard job, you would work your days and you'd get a guarantee that you'd get a final salary pension, these kind of gold-plated pensions. And today, those those pensions are now basically out the, they're, they're redundant. They're, they're very few, or they're pretty rubbish. They're kind of a watered-down version of them. If you're a doctor or a teacher, you might still get them. So these are what they call kind of defined benefit pensions. Mm. You buy, so previous generations, you could buy an affordable house. So in the 90s, 1990s, house prices, they've risen 500% in London since the 90s. So some are sitting at home, like today, you know, you get like, my book, Millennial Money Mindset, talks about this. And, you know, millennials are kind of being screwed over by the property market because there's there's many more boomers, baby boomers, because, the you know, if you look at the population statistics, there's many more boomers today than there are millennials so they get their they're much more likely to vote and more they get their kind of their say in the kind of the the policies so to win an election you might want to have you'd much more it's much more sensible if you're a politician to make policies that suit baby boomers i.e keep house prices high by doing things like you know help to buy scheme keep interest rate interest rates low and print loads of money it's much sensible if you're a politician to win election to kind of pander to baby boomers but that means that millennials have so when i say millennials these are 25 to 45 year olds have basically been screwed over i think personally and also you, you can't buy an affordable house today and if you had any money left over say previous generation you would put money into a bank and you'd get five percent interest rates and that's sweet like that's pretty good today the base rate is point. 0.1%. Imagine that. Like you put money into a bank and you're losing money. Like that pound coin in your back pocket is eroding every time, every day it's losing money. So yeah. by so there's a pound thing called inflation, which is essentially the, the spending power in your back pocket. So so those are three things today. So so essentially the unaffordable housing price, the Pension has now been, there's no pension market anymore. And inflation, you can't get that in, um, you can't get pound coin in your back pocket. So the, coming back to your question, what, what is lacking? So essentially, you need to know about financial education previously. Like you didn't, you just, you could do your job and, you know, you had to get a guaranteed income for life. Sweet, didn't have to worry about Today, we now have to understand how to manage our own money. And this kind of sucks. It's like, oh, I've got, I've got to work at a job and now I've got to do this whole other life skill. It's equivalent to like, imagine you didn't, you didn't have to drive before, you'd have a horse and car, and today you have to learn how to drive. And you're like, oh, that kind of sucks. I have to, learn, I have to go and learn how to drive, I have to test, and that kind of sucks. But the great news is today, you, you can now, there's never been a better time to learn how to invest. Like you can go on YouTube, you can go, I've got a YouTube channel called Millennial Money Mindset. You can listen to podcasts like this and understand how to invest, which is great. So what's lacking is get good education, or I say good education, it's still pretty terrible, but it's improved <laughs> in the last five years. There's much more stuff out there. Yeah. 
but what's lacking is experience so no one knows how to you might read a book which is great you read a rich dad poor dad or richest man in babylon or my book millennial money mindset if you want to preach you need the roots and you understand it like that might be great but there's a lack there's it's, it's massive difference between understand like how you understand things by just just education you need experience actually being having money in the market so if i'm on quite a few kind of facebook groups etc like that and when the market come down and markets go down all the time there'll be another financial crash it's just how markets work people freak out and people get scared because they haven't experienced this before and there's things that happen in the brain there's chemicals get released that's in the there's a thing called the amygdala in the brain and a chemical gets released and it makes us kind of fight off it's called fight or flight reaction so it's the same it's with as humans we've evolved over tens uh, of thousands of years and this chemical gets released to keep us alive when if we saw a scary bear in the woods we'd be like ah oh, that bear's going to eat us so this chemical gets released and it makes us kind of fight and fight or flight or run away from this scary bear so when when the market's crash and there's this bear market there's a bear in the market this chemical gets released and it makes us do silly things we're like we panic and we get scared and the market's crash and we 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 make silly mistakes and if you don't have someone kind of with you to say to explain this to you or you haven't experienced this before then you're going to do silly things and sell at the wrong time or even on the flip side of that that's when the market's crash when the markets are really high when you have exuberance when we as humans we get greedy we can't help it we kind of we get greedy and we buy into silly stocks when we shouldn't be when yeah we we make silly mistakes and we get greedy and we buy into bubbles and so there's a number of different bubbles i made this classic error when i bought my first stock called lastminute.com the irony okay. of the lost to me at the time i was 18 and this was in the 2000s before the internet imagine the time before the internet before we could do a zoom call um i don't even know where you are at today like where you where you're calling from but yeah we have this thing this amazing thing called the internet where we can speak to anyone around the world but imagine the time mm. before this and i bought a stock called lastmate.com thinking i was going to make my fortune i was i was at sixth form i was like oh, i don't don't really fancy doing this school thing anymore for much longer i'm gonna <laughs> why don't i buy it i'm gonna make my fortune by buying lastminute.com and yeah i think i got and essentially it was pure greed i was like actually yeah i was working at an ice cream shop at the time and yeah i just basically thought yeah i'm gonna set i was saved quite diligently and i was like yeah i don't want to have to save so yeah, put half my money into lastminute.com had to write a check imagine that right you had like these paper checks and you had to write them out then you had to post it putting it in the post box it took like a day to get there you'd a city broker would receive your check he would then send back an application form imagine that like <laughs> then you'd send an application form you would fill out the application form and then you'd send that back and it took like two weeks overall compared to today you can just and that's i guess another thing like today you can just buy or sell instantly and it's it yeah. kind of that fight or flight reaction you would just make a mistake make that that trade instantly rather than having that kind of that kind of time to yeah. So coming back to your question what's lacking i would say experience and and yeah it's having so i have a coaching program and i kind of called money tips and we kind of help people kind of guide people along that that kind of 
to help them not make silly errors. Yeah, amazing. Um, so what would, kind of going on from the um, education, what would you say was the worst piece of advice that you've been given around trading or investing? Wow, that's a great question. That's a great question. The worst piece of advice. Yeah, I guess, um, I mean, there's so many bad YouTube channels out there. There's so many bad advice out there. That's the thing. Like, I'm I'm part of this like um, this like money bloggers um, community, and most mm -hmm. people are like really really nice. I, I I don't get them don't don't get me wrong. Like, but I guess the downside of kind of YouTube and the internet, and you could just post anything. There's no kind of filter behind that. So I watch some of these YouTube channels, and it. it I'm in horror of like what people say and do and they think they're being really clever and they're, they're being genuine. They're being like authentic and they're being, you know, they're trying to be helpful, but they're just doing the completely wrong thing. And people are going to get really, really hurt and people are going to get really, really, um, yeah, they're going to get annihilated basically by doing silly things. So yeah, I've come back to look at the evidence. I mean, my book, Millennial Money Mindset, I've got like, I researched this like hundreds, if not almost like, yeah, hundreds of research. There's like, it's going into kind of Nobel economists. Like I use the modern portfolio theory, this guy called Harry Malkovich. I use, there's like this guy called Sharp, which is like this basically guy who won a Nobel prize for, he came up with the, the theory of like risk and reward are related. Like it seems pretty obvious now, but this guy in the seventies, like he, they gave him a Nobel prize, believe it or not, for coming up with this theory. And there's another, kind of Nobel Prize called like Farmer and French and basically they came up with this kind of theory that, that I mean when I say theory like they've done like literally like decades of research I don't want to like don't take take they don't want to take away from these guys like they literally done like this was their like life's work so they've done like <clears throat> studied like thousands of companies this these these two people called Farmer and French and they did like, like study like thousands of companies and they basically said what's what's working and what's not working and they brought it down to three things. So momentum, which you can really relate to trading, and I'm happy to talk about that later on. So value companies, like this is stocks, like this is buying companies, so value companies. So what is a value company? So it's looking at the intrinsic value of the company. So is it like the price of that company versus how much earnings they're making? And so momentum, value, and small companies, actually was quite interesting. So small companies grow quicker than big companies. So, yeah, those three kind of Nobel Prize winning economists was part of my book that I wrote, Millennium Money Mindset, if you want the fruits, you need the roots. And also, we, I touched on Rich Dad Poor Dad um, previously, and I think he gets loads of stick and people, like academics almost like sneer at Robert Kiyosaki because he didn't go to university or he, he didn't go to university and, um, and he, you know, he, he, he still did research, but he did research on people you know his business i mean he wrote like 17 books or something he's sold like 54 million books or something like that so he has done his own research but kind of academics um kind of sneer at him for not like being academic or whatever i, I live in oxford so that i i kind of maybe i'm <laughs> i i speak to um a lot of academic there's a lot of academics that i speak to and yeah he gets a lot of stick for his work that he did but yeah i mean Richard said Porter was written in 1997 and he talks a lot about mindset and I think yeah he's one of the one of the most important writers of the about money 
that in the last hundred years maybe and that's so i've got a lot of um respect for robert kiyosaki and i don't think he gets the mm. that he deserves so coming yeah. back to the question yeah what mistakes have i seen yeah not looking at the evidence i guess that's i it's so important there's so much um information and kind of evidence out there yeah and i guess look at yeah looking at people have they been successful before and i guess a lot of people on youtube have you know that i don't I, I, coming back to the, the money bloggers I, i'm kind of friends and they're really, really nice but like their actual strategies they don't really understand that they, they might be good at so one guy is really good at filming he's really his kind of background is photography and which is really good his videos look really nice and really polished but he doesn't actually understand investing and he's talking about investing and like some of the things he's saying are like actually you shouldn't be saying this because that's fundamentally wrong and you're telling people the wrong thing yeah sorry that, <laughs> maybe i had a rant there but yeah <laughs> I, that was my kind of opinion yeah um so my my final yeah yeah it makes sense makes sense um if anyone like has any questions or anything um yeah they can just post into the comments and um yeah hopefully i can yeah, answer them or or connect not, with me. i've can... got um best way to connect with me is on so linkedin so that's how we connect so neil doig n-e-i-l-d-o-i-g connect with me on linkedin my instagram just look for millennial underscore money underscore mindset or just look type money tips which tips is spelled t-i-p-p-s it stands for tax investment property pension savings i've got a website moneytips.co.uk tips is spelled t-i-p-p-s i've got um how else can you oh yeah facebook moneytips.co.uk yeah there i've got um or youtube i've got a youtube channel money tip uh millennial money mindset definitely yeah millennial spelled two l's two n's or i've got a podcast millennial money mindset if you want the fruits you need the roots amazing thank you for coming on to the podcast today